Hello and a very big warm welcome to the Soul Sync Podcast. I'm Jason Paul. If you're brand new to the show, then welcome. It's good to have you with us. And if you're returning again, welcome back to the Soul Sync family. Now, in this episode, get ready for a captivating journey into the world of mediumship with a truly exceptional guest on this week's episode of The Soul Sync. Today, we have the privilege of hosting Adam Berry, a modern-day spiritualist medium whose journey is as inspiring as his dedication to the profound mysteries of the soul. When I spoke to Adam, I was blown away by his candidness, his honesty, his story, it was just an absolutely incredible conversation. Now, Adam comes from Bury in Lancashire and he stands at the forefront of spiritualism and his accolades really do speak volumes. He was awarded the prestigious Gordon Higginson Memorial Scholarship by the Spiritualist National Union in 2016. Since then, he's gone on to obtain his certificate in speaking, demonstrating and teaching and his commitment to excellence has even led him to become a trainee tutor at the renowned Arthur Finlay College. Adam's journey into the realms of spirit began in his early years, fueled by a desire to understand and seek proof of the survival of the soul beyond physical death. This passion propelled him to study at the Arthur Finlay College, a world-renowned institution for the advancement of spiritualism and psychic sciences. His mind and spiritual development were further opened through these experiences. A pivotal mentor in Adam's journey has been none other than the late Mavis Patilla, whose guidance and nurturing helped shape him into the highly respected medium that he is today. Adam's belief in mediumship as a healing and celebratory connection between two worlds is evident in his talks, workshops and mesmerising demonstrations. But Adam is not just a seeker of proof of life after life. He is a promoter of life within life. He believes that our souls have a purpose here and now and the knowledge that our soul lives after physical death provides comfort and solace. Beyond his personal demonstrations, Adam extends his reach through online sessions including a weekly Sitting in the Power Hour on his Facebook page. Recently achieving his DSNU in demonstrating mediumship and becoming a newly approved tutor at the Arthur Finlay College, Adam's accomplishments are as vast as his commitment to serving the spirit world. Adam is also on the National Executive Committee as a director. This is not just an episode of The Soul Sick, it's an opportunity to delve into the wisdom, experiences and teaching of a truly remarkable medium. So, so join us as we sink our souls with the extraordinary Adam Berry. You're going to love this conversation. Enjoy. So Adam, thank you for joining me on The Soul Sing Podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Jason. Now... Your story is really interesting. Well, we were just having a really nice chat before we um, started recording. And I think what we'd like to do at the start, Adam, is just hear a bit about your story and how this has all kind of come about. Because one thing that jumped straight out to me was your that you work in construction. Um, and that wasn't even necessarily something I knew about your background even before we started this. So tell us a bit about your journey um, and, and maybe some poignant points that jump out to you. Okay, so my journey is quite a complicated one. Um, as it is, it's nothing's ever straightforward in life, I've come to realise. But um, some of the most um, adverse things that we have within our life can be the biggest blessings within our life as well. And my sort of journey... Um, spiritual journey, I suppose, started as a young child in the way of not seeing the spirit world and not, um, you know, seeing nans and granddads and things like that as some other, or spirit children and things like that as some other um, mediums have experienced. But I just had this inward um, knowing and this sensitivity. I was very shy, very... Um, very awkward as a child, I suppose, because I, I didn't like any no any birthday parties, whether they were my own or a friend's. I'd be sick, physically sick. I didn't like the attention. I didn't like any um, anything on me um, being centre of attention. So, you know, like at birthday parties and things like that, where they have that in, interaction and participation. Yeah. Well, I hated ever being picked out, so I think that's probably why I was sick. Um, but 
you know, it was just this sensitivity that I used to just then. Sorry about that. That's right. I can edit this guy. <laughs> yes, I can edit this. Don't worry. Um, yes. I've just had a little note sent through from the other half. Your website is okay. Pay- PayPal working, postage working, sell, 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 so right. <laughs> we just had this, we've had this big thing with um, the shops gone off my website and I'm like, there's nowhere anyone can buy it. You can buy it on Amazon, but the, that's another thing at the moment. But uh, anyway, um, I forgot where I'm up to now. Uh, you, were sa- you were saying, um, let me just, I'm going to, when we just start, Okay, I'm just making sure because I thought I could hear my voice back for a second, but I can't, so that's fine. You were saying that, um, just to reverse back, you'd um, got this sensitivity as a child and you don't know where it necessarily came from. Yeah, and this sensitivity, it was always a case of, like with the adults, I always used to think, why are they doing that when they know that this will happen? And it was sort of like an inner wisdom in, in some ways, and... And I always used to think as a child, if, you know, those things will never happen to me because I sort of understood from um, an observing point of view, I observed everything. And, you know, I I wasn't someone that would um, step out of my comfort zones. I just had this, I just took everything in like a sponge. And and that was was the reality of, of me. So it made me very quiet very inward and not somebody that would put themselves forward for anything, actually not feeling um, good enough or, you know, I I always Mm. felt like I wasn't bright enough as a child because I wasn't in the top sets at school. I found school difficult because um, I later found out and um, investigated dyslexia. Um, So that was a thing because it was about the, I just couldn't read and take things in. Um, I was very, uh, I struggled with school because I felt intimidated by it. And um, so, yeah, there was a lot of things within my life as well that were quite emotional. Um, I was brought up by my grandparents, which were the beautiful people. Um, And my real parents, they split up when I was early and there was mental health and and there was there was all sorts of things within my life that I had to deal with as an as a child, and it wasn't until I was about seventeen, and um, my real dad passed away he, tragically. He, he drowned uh, trying to cross a river, and um, he had schizophrenia, and it was something that I'd had to learn about as a child. This 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 illness, um, and I tried to understand it as much as I could, but when he passed away, it was like this train crash in my life, and I didn't know who I was anymore. Um, I didn't know, and by this time, I was already kind of like a, a a drinker. You know, I, I loved drinking at the weekends. I was a greedy drinker. Uh, always had been from drinking on the park with friends and at the weekends, and I'd always want that full bottle not sharing a bottle with the friends you know that's that's that well i couldn't relate to that adam i've beaten her myself (laughs) yeah that was the thing and that was like the norm you know it was it was a norm but when my real dad passed away i ended up drinking excessively and into oblivion and so much so um i'd already sort of crossed the point of a problem drinker earlier on and and it got so bad that I, I had to be detoxed in in a psychiatric ward and you know it was uh, I was 18 when I was detoxed so the time I should have been legally able to drink I was being detoxed in in um in hospital and you know it, it was there where I saw I went to an AA meeting and that AA meeting, I suppose, it, it it really, I mean, I was the youngest one there, you know, that everyone was really old and, and I was this feeling sorry for myself that I should st- still be able to drink and, and all this and I'm not like them, and but I knew where it had taken me and, and there was one thing within AA that I started to go, I, th- I think I must have gone for about 18 months 
Um, and he had a sponsor who was uh, in his 80s called Big Mike. And he was like, um, the similarities between me being 18 and him being in his 80s was incredible. We had the similar lives. It was it was incredible. And you know, he helped me a lot um, at that time. But it also introduced me to the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous as well. And one of the, the, the first step is... Um, is admitting that you're powerless over over alcohol, but then there's this understanding, this higher power. And when I started to look into this, it's like I always believed in something that was bigger than myself. I always had this knowing that there was something bigger. Um, but I wouldn't have termed it God at that time anyway, because I would have thought God was of the of the um, of the thinking and the belief that. He sat on a cloud, chucking thunderbolts at people that did things wrong, mm-hmm. and and that just wasn't my comprehension. Um, but I didn't know what was my comprehension. But you know, going to AA it sort of like opened something up for me, and my life started to change a little bit in the way of psychic things started to happen. Um, I just started to. Um, just to know things and have this sensitivity and, and my life. Um, I was following this guidance within, within my life that was just, I, I can't really explain it, but I know, I know that there were instances and I can't even give an example of the instances of the psychic experiences, but um, I truly believe now it was this, it was this understanding this higher power or exploring this higher power. And obviously there was a lot more, things within the steps as well. But um, as I was going along within within AA, um, it was great because I was keeping sober, but I did start to find that I couldn't relate to anybody else that wasn't within AA. It was like um, I'd go to these meetings and you know, I couldn't get up and speak because uh, I was that shy anyway, but I listened to people and... You know, and it helped me. And Big Mike took me to like this Al-Anon meeting where I had to speak on behalf of families that, uh, and I did speak as an eighteen-year-old um, to show them a perspective from an alcoholic of a of a younger person to show them what it was like for me. And I think that was the only time I spoke. But what I did start to do, my friend, uh, my best friend, she's actually next door now. Um, she used to hear voices and we used to talk about how we connected was uh, through, she was interested in tarot and we were both interested in astrology. Um, but because she was hearing these voices, uh, she seeked help and she went to a local spiritualist church, which was in Bury, And she started to go this, to this awareness class. So we used to babysit for her kids and then wait for her to come back and like, what, what happened when you were there, like wanting to know everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we eventually, she she took us, we, we all went to the spiritualist church in Bury. So we were all going there and there was about eight of us, there was a group of us, and we were like thinking, you know, how does, how does that woman on there know that, know that about these people? And they must come here every week. She must come here every week. She's not come to any of us, so we're new. So, the, no, there's something not really sceptical. But it was, wasn't was until after the service uh, she went into the, uh, where you have your cup of tea and your biscuits, and we didn't realise it's a bit etiquette to leave the medium alone while they're just you know, like having a quiet time after the service. But we all sat around and surrounded her around the table and like looking at her like she was from outer space or something and, what she did, she gave us all a piece of information around the table, each one of us. Um, but what she did, she gave me some evidence about my dad and she said his name. Well, everyone gasped and, and it was like, gosh, and um, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. But I think it was that that then kept me going back. I needed to know more. I needed to know more and more. So... I did a study. Yeah, what a profound story that at 18 years old, you kind of discovered that. Because that, that's really young. Um, yeah. I've, I, I've never, I've not come across anyone yet 
Atom, who's um, kind of gone to a spiritual church at that age. But it's because, I guess, for all this stuff that catapulted you there yeah. so early on. It's, it's what a story. Um, yeah. so you continue to go at uh, 18 years old. And yeah, I was nine, great. 19. Sorry, I'm interrupting. I was 19 at that point, yeah. But, um, yeah, and when I look back now, I remember as a kid driving past, obviously with my parents, driving past and seeing the sign for the Spiritualist Church and always wondering what it was. And, and, and that was for years. I'd always see it and wondered what it was. And it was funny how... When I was 19, I ended up going in, into there, but it was the influence of my friends that I went in there. And it was actually me that started to explore more. And, you know, I, I listened to whatever anybody said. I was so opinionless and so, um, you know, I don't know, impressionable, I should say. So when people can say, you know, like they can see a potential in you and they'll say, Oh, you should be a healer. You've got this healing healing ability and what have you. And all right, then I'll do healing now. Um, and then you should be sat in a circle because you're a medium. All right, then I'll sit in a circle now. And you know, and 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 that's sort of like the breadcrumb trail I followed because I didn't know any different. And you know, it's like the the thing where you believe uh, some of the you know when you're new to this, you believe whatever someone who's classed as a teacher says to you because they obviously know more about everything than you do. And you know, this this is what I was feeling um, at the time. It's it's very funny you say that because I've been the complete opposite, not wanting to believe and needing undeniable proof. But I guess this open mindedness that you had was kind of the catalyst that you really needed. Did did that serve you well all along your journey through those years or did it kind of trip you up in a way that you was sort of so willing to give over you know your um well I don't know how you'd put it your you you were very impressionable and you were very quick to believe did that you know always serve you so well or well I think a lot of the time it was I'd have this inner dialogue or this inner observation where I would question but it wasn't necessarily what I would do I'd trust I'll try to trust the people that were telling me the, the things. So I never actually believed um, I was a medium, but I sat within a development circle. For 18 months, I sat in a development circle at the beginning. And, Joe, you know, the people I'm sat next to, and they had these wonderful stories, what they got in the meditations and things, and I just got nothing. You know, I got nothing. And... um. And it was strange because I used to think, why am I bothering going? Why why do I keep continuing to go? And and now when I look back, I think it was it's the soul. It was the soul that was keeping me uh, going and returning because obviously something was going on that I wasn't aware of. And I um and I had all these people around me at church saying, oh, you've got this gift or you've got this ability, and I'm like, no, nah, no, I can't. Because I couldn't do what they did on the platform. I can't do all all this stuff. You, you won't see me uh, doing that. Although I know I had this, I, I knew I had something that was psychic at the time because I could read tarot cards and um, things I used to say were, were correct with people. And that was obviously on a psychic level with people, what was going on in people's lives. Um, but with the spirit world, it was, it was different. And, and I suppose from the church then, I had a, a friend, a still friend now, Robin, and he was a working medium at the time. And he just says, Adam, right, we're going to the Arthur Finlay College. And I'm like, what's that? And uh, he says, just trust me. He says, you, you'll you'll love it. So again, didn't know what the Arthur Finlay College was. Paid the 350 quid it was at the time for the week um, back in 2005. It's only not that anymore. No, I know, <laughs> I know. But um, I was fortunate enough to be on Glen Edwards Week at that point, and it was my first first week there. And do you know? I mean, I have to tell the story of um, when we went to the airport. We flew from Blackpool 
to Stansted. And there was uh, there was this lady that was at Blackpool Airport, and Robin knew who she was. And he, and he says, oh, this is, she's a tutor at the college, and she must have been obviously going at the same time as us, and we're on the same plane. So I'm like, oh, right. And I, and I thought, there's just something about her that's different that I don't know what, and I just can't put my finger on it. But we all had a coffee at the airport, and then she continued to, um, she gave Robin a communication from his mum, just that. And you know what? I'm, I'm sat there th- and I'm thinking, wow, because I'd never heard anything like it that, that was so um, specific. I could feel this power that I'd not really experienced before. And I'd, you know, I'd been to lots of church services and things like that, but I suppose I'd never sat next to somebody that was actually communicating with the spirit world. And there was just, there was just something of this quality that I just thought, wow. And then obviously when I went, to, and th- that lady was Jill Harland, by the way, who a lot of people know um, in the spiritualist movement. And she, you know, again, it was like my eyes opened to something and it was like this. And then we went to the college and uh, the wonderful grounds and, you know, the energy of the place. And, and all these people from all around the world, it was just like, Wow, it's like this hidden gem that I'd never heard of, and you know, it opened up my my eyes, it opened up my heart, it opened up my soul because uh, there were so many things um, within spiritualism or that I knew at the time that felt restrictive of what you can and you can't do, and then it was like, gosh, we can do anything, and you know, it was it it was wonderful, and and I was lucky enough to be in Glenn's class as well. And he did the sitting in the power with us. So that was my uh, first experience of sitting in the power. But, um, and I'm, and I've got made some wonderful friends as well that I'm still friends with today from that first visit at the college. And that really opened up something within me that I thought, and, and I actually, from what I can remember, I gave my first communication whilst I was at the college a first solid one that I can that I can remember, and I remember saying, "Do you really understand that? You really you you can really take all this?" And I was like, still really doubting myself self with with stuff, but it was a, an example to me that I could communicate with the spirit world. And you know, after that, I started to become a I started following Glyn. Um, to some of his workshops and things. And yeah, I became a bit of a workshop junkie um, in some ways because I just wanted to know more and more and more and learn more and be more. Um, and a lot, lot of the time it was a confidence thing with me where there was this desire to communicate and to um be that messenger uh to to people here that are in need that are grieving and, and what have you but it was something that was a process that started to change me as a person as well so there was a lot of self development that that came in with with all this because you know I, I have to say which i think is is something that is important um, I've got a, another dear friend who used to take me up on the platform going back years ago, and it was around the time of the Arthur Finlay College. And, you know, I must have got that bit of confidence or madness to, to go and sit on the platform with her. And she'll go, have you got anything? And I'll just get, get up and I'll be like, no, no. And then I did actually get up and this one time and I, I delivered this communication and I knew who the communication was for. And this lady, she wouldn't actually accept this communication. And she said, no, no, no. And, you know, I think it just destroyed me within that moment. It destroyed me. And I remember my friend saying she could take everything you said, Adam. And I thought, you're just saying that to make me feel better. No, but that same lady two weeks later came up to me and says, Adam, I could take everything that you said 
And it was because a family member was an alcoholic and she was embarrassed. It was the way that it, it came out, the, the, the way that I expressed it, which was a big learning thing for me. However, um, it took me seven years to get back up on the platform after that. Wow. I couldn't, um, I just couldn't get up because the damage had been done, that procrastination, the, those thoughts over that two weeks. Oh, you probably said yourself crazy with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know. And that was a big thing for you to get up there that first time. It's Absolutely. I'm even thinking of, you know, when you was explaining yourself um, when you was a child and going to school and whatever, to get the courage to even do a reading, I can imagine for you was, you know, one-to-one really quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. Although I always class myself as a one-to-one person. Oh, okay. That's how I sort of accepted myself. I felt more comfortable um, with one-to-one rather than being up in front of people. Um, What eventually gave you the jolt to get on the platform after seven years? Well, it was... I became a bit of a workshop junkie, as I said, and Uh. I was... um, Trying to, it's as if like I'd go on like a weekend course and then I'd have all this buzz about, right, I'm going to do this now. And then I'd just slip into my everyday normal life again. It's like, mm. was that a dream? Was that, how can I feel like that there or at that time? And then everything just feels differently. Now when you just go into this normal, and then it's as if like, did that really happen? Am I really a medium? Am I? You know what? It's so funny you say that because that's happened to me when I went. The first time I went to the college, honestly, I thought it was easy. It was just like a download. It just came to me. It was almost like I had an email in my inbox. And then left the college, couldn't do anything, couldn't even do a reading or whatever. And I thought, hang on a minute. And then I completely started to believe it was all not real. And maybe I'd imagined it. So I, I can relate to you there. Yeah. Yeah. And. And I suppose that's the that's the thing. And and what I did do then, I um, I had heard of Mavis Patilla. I was going to ask you about Mavis Patilla. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd heard of Mavis Patilla. I'd heard of her at the college. I heard Glyn talk about because Glyn and her used to work closely, mm-hmm. going back uh, with Gordon Higginson, and um, and Glyn always spoke highly of her in the classes that I had about a mediumship and what have you. And so it was just a name, just a name, Mavis Patilla. But she did live like um, not so far away from me. I believed it was in Middleton at the time. And that's, oh, that's the stories that I heard. And it wasn't until um, in 2011, it was a bit of a, it's when I turned 30. Mm-hmm. I, it was like a, it was a big year. I mean, in a lot of ways, turning 30, me and my partner got married. Um, there was a lot of things. My um, husband, um, he he was um, he had a massive heart attack in in that year as well. Go, going forward, and it was a there was a lot of things going on. And and what he said, because bearing in mind, I'd been to the college in 2005 for the first time. It was now 2011. And what he said to me is his dad must have got some money from a pension or, or something like that. And he said, um, and, he, and his dad gave him some, a bit of money. And he just said, do you know what, Adam? He says, every time you talk about the Arthur Finlay College, you always smile. And he says, and with the year that was so stressful, he says, I want you to take this money and go to the Arthur Finlay College. And do you know what? I was straight on the phone and I managed to get, there was a last place on Tony Stockwell's week um, because I must have booked to the next one because I didn't even know where I was going to go and what course I was going to go on, but it was just that one I just felt drawn to. Um, and I got the last the last place on that course. And um, again, that changed me. Um, very Still very quiet on the course, but I was taking everything in and and I ended up having a private sitting whilst I was there. And a lady, uh, Jose from Holland, um, she gave me this sitting and she mentioned Mavis. She, everything that she said was like, wow, you know, it was it was amazing. And 
Um, it was everything that was needed at that, at that point. But she says, do you know Mavis Patilla? And I says, no. She goes, I feel like you should get in contact with Mavis. And I'm like, but I, I don't really know her. And she says, I feel like she'll, she'll be able to help you. And I'm like, right, okay. So as soon as I'd left the college, I'm like, where's Mavis? How can I find <laughs> Mavis? And uh, I end up, I've got a mutual friend. And she was actually going on a on a course in Disley because they had these spiritual expl- explorations courses in, in Disley. And so it was just a coincidence that one of my friends was going on there. And I says, I'm going to come on it as well. So we booked Tom and end up meeting Mavis. And it was like this big thing. So my friend who'd already been on course, she's going, Adam's here. Adam wants to speak to you. And it was a bit like, and remember she, she offered a hand over my back and says, oh, he's got a good power. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't know what that meant or anything, do you know? But, but I remember, I remember I had a private sitting with her and she said, um, I'm thinking, Mavis has got all the answers. She's going to be able to uh, tell me where I need to go next. Because obviously I had this yearning. It was, And it was this soul yearning to to learn. And it must have been the time that was read, I was ready. Um, but a bit frustrated because I didn't know where to go with it as well. And Mavis sort of recommended uh, some places. and But she said, but in three years' time, you'll be a professional platform medium. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't believe, I didn't believe what she said. And it just so happens, you know, I um, I started to uh, follow Mavis a little bit more because I loved the depth of her wisdom, her philosophy, her mediumship, um, the reverence of her. That, you know, there's all aspects of, of Mavis. Um, I could just listen to her speak all day. So I just uh, garnered this trust, I suppose, uh, within her. And um, something happened where there was another course that was supposed to be on at Disley. And my friend had already asked me if I was going to go on it. And I knew that I couldn't at that time because there was work and um, it was hard to get time off. And you needed to take the Thursday, Friday off or something for the weekend. And I knew I couldn't do it. So probably a couple of months later, I had um, had this dream that I saw Mavis on this train platform and I sort of hugged her on this train platform and then we started walking down the train platform and she says, are you coming on my course, young man? And I'm like, I'm sorry, Mavis, I can't come on it. I can't get time off work. And I don't remember making these excuses or reasons well the look on Mavis's face of disappointment it woke me up at five o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning and I'm and I'm lay there thinking how can I get out of work to get on this course and I'm actually thinking that and I must have been lay there for about an hour coming up with some sort of solution then I thought hang on a minute I don't even know what this course is about so I got my phone at the side of the bed and I, and I went onto Mavis's website and then this mentorship came up and I just remember, and I, and I just remember this feeling. It was like this thunderbolt that went into my solar plexus, just into my tummy and I, the excitement, I cannot I started to read and it was everything that I needed to, you know, I just thought I need to do this. And I'd, Probably applied for it and everything without even discussing it with my other half first. And, but I knew I just needed to to go on this course. And to me, it was like, because it was all by interview as well, uh, that you had to um, go for an interview stage to see whether you're suitable for it. So to me, it was like getting into university. This was my university that I've, you know, I, I couldn't achieve academic university in my life, but this was my university this was something I wanted to do and you know she um I I even got even with that I even got to the point where I wrote an email to her because I did get on it by the way I did get on it and and there was somebody that really knocked my confidence before 
uh, before going on the course, um, sort of questioning my ability and my reasons. And she, she really judged me really wrongly, but I still took it on board. Um, I mean, this, this particular person says, you can't go out drinking and going out with the lads. And I thought, well, I don't even drink and go out with the lads because I don't drink. You know, so she'd really judged me wrong. But she actually said, because the requirements was beginner to intermediate, intermediate, sorry. And she just went, what makes you think you're not a beginner? Well, it crushed me. You know, they crushed me, someone saying that. And so I wrote this email to Mavis and I says, I'm really sorry. Some, somebody said this and I just really feel that I can't, I can't do this. I can't do it. And, and do you know what? They Skype me, it was Skype at the time, not Zoom. And we had a chat and she, she just says, listen, if I didn't think you had the potential to do this, I wouldn't have invited you to, to be part of the group. And, do you know, just come to the first weekend and and see how you feel and if you if you don't then you can go into a beginners sort of group if you if you don't well I went on it and and I loved it 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 made me um look at all aspects it made me look at myself it made me look at um nature philosophy um it just felt like everything on that course resonated with me and it was, you know, there were people there that were professional mediums, uh, so to speak, that, and, and I'd basically just gone there to learn. I wanted to learn about what, what all this was about. And, and I trusted Mavis's knowledge and the way that she nurtured me was everything that I needed. You know, it's, it's as if like she knew exactly what to do, how far to push me, how far not to push me <laughs> and yeah it was um kind of incredible is there kind of like a, anything that you know you think today kind of looking back um that Mavis kind of taught you or an impact that she has sounds like she's impacted you in every way Adam I don't doesn't sound like there is one a yeah. particular standout thing but is there anything you can share from what Mavis taught you that might help other people perhaps on yeah the journey? This is, I'm probably asking an impossible question because to unpack it is going to be impossible. But I know that there's a lot of people who I've got a, uh, the book about her and, I, you know, it's on my must read list. Um, yeah. Well, it was, you know, there's, there's lots of sayings. So, do you know, like when you were saying about Colin and <laughs> he, um, he, he'd say something profound and then it'd be like, hang on a minute. And you start missing, missing things because you, you're so absorbed and and taken away by what's just been said because it so resonates in in one way or another. You're trying to process it. Well, there were many times like that with with Mavis, and I used to sit there and I used to we were, and I f I love quotes, I love words, um, and she um, encouraged me with that. And the words that she said, like these one liners, I just capture them in my book. And I just, you know, I mean, the most profound one is you may be shy, Adam, but your soul isn't. That was the most profound thing that helped me because I was always in this constant state of my conscious mind um, is, you know, telling me you can't do this. What are you bothering getting up there for? You're going to make a fool of yourself. You know, you, you can't do this. And then, there's this inward pull uh, to, and you, and before you know it, you stood up there, but you still got this self-conscious feeling while you're there. And I know it's that, that sense of another wording and terminology that she says was it's allowing the lion to lay down with the lamb. So the lion being the conscious mind and the lamb being the soul. So we allow them to, to, make peace to to the lion to lay down with the lamb and and that is where the inspiration comes that is where the communication comes that's where all aspects of um our spirituality can come and it's if we just allow our conscious mind to quieten you know we can allow the soul to rise and it it's 
it's it's really profound and and those two are probably the most profound um statements and wise philosophical statements that that have helped me and i know i i say these to my students now and and i've just started a 12 week um awareness to development course at Horwich Spiritualist Church which is a, a local church and and i've actually given them that in that first in that first class and you know it's the the amount of feedback is gosh it's like this epiphany it's sometimes all it is is and it's happened to me when i was on this course the other day um with colin he said something and it went round and round and round in my mind and i just thought to myself you know when do you ever get this when a medium says something to you i wonder sometimes and this happens a lot to me, and I think, has that person said it to me because they think I need it? Have they read? Because it? it is so profound yeah. that you start questioning why that they've said that to you. But yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. I say this to my um, partner a lot. I say, honestly, uh, when you've got mediums as friends, it's just a whole whole different kettle of fish. Um, so that, that's fascinating. So. I want to come on to as well your um, book uh, because it's it's a great book. I'll hold it up there. There we go. Soul, soul rise, soul expressions. Tell us about this this book because it it really grabbed my attention. And I think this dovetails really nicely on from what you're saying about Mavis and profound things because I found myself really getting um, drawn in by this book because. It is profound. How, tell us about the book and how, how did this come about and how did these um, poems come to you? Right, well, do you know, I, I call myself the accidental poet. I, I have to say that because, do you know, probably over the years I've read, the, I've, I've written the odd poem. Um, so, and it's usually been about processing things. So like the bottle, my friend was probably one of the first ones. Roundabout was one of the first ones as well. So you'll you'll notice the probably in sequence of of the times I've I've written them. So and it'd only be like one every two years I'd write a poem. It wasn't it wasn't like um I was doing it all the time. And and what happened was I um I just went through this this period of, of of writing a bit more poetry, and um, a little, probably a year or so before the book was published, and I just put them out on Facebook. Just you know, people can resonate, and you know, I got so much feedback that you should publish these, or you should, you should do a book. And I'm thinking, oh yeah, I don't know, no, I just, I'm just gonna, just gonna public. Uh, sorry, I'm just gonna post them, and. A lot of people could just resonate with them, and and I was, um, you know, I was just feeling inspired by that, and and I actually went on a silent retreat, a ten day silent retreat. Yeah, it was called Vipassana, and it was ten days of no phone, no no contact with anybody, only the group of people that were there, but you couldn't speak to them. It was, um, and it was a really. Um, difficult time. I've got to say because it wasn't. Did you find that because I've 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 often thought to myself, I can't really, you know, that best movie. Yeah. What, to tell us about that because it's I find them fascinating. It was one of the greatest things I've ever done, but one of the hardest things I've ever done as well because I didn't realize how much my mind chatters, and you know, and it was trying to talk myself to go home, there's something up with my partner, there's something up with my parents. And and then and I knew because a friend had been on this course that the first three days are crucial because a lot of people would leave. When it got to the third day, they just couldn't hack it. Um, but it was basically nine and a half hours a day of meditation. But this was mindfulness. It was mindfulness meditation. So it's about scanning the body. So if, I didn't really read up about passionate before I went because I just wanted to experience it as I was there so I didn't want to sort of have any preconceptions about what it was going to be I just heard the experience of my friend um and I thought oh we'll just be sitting in the power for 10 days and I'll love that and 
did you feel the presence of spirit when you was you know, like in the meditation hall and things like that? Well, when I got there, there was nothing. So you went into the meditation hall and everyone is so inward. There was this, there was this peace, but everybody was so inward. There wasn't anything like sitting in the power. It was just completely going within. And, you know, it was, I thought, oh my gosh. And I went that within. I thought it was going to affect my mediumship. <laughs> I remember going because you could make um, you could make an appointment with one of the the mentor people that were there. You could, if if things were getting to you about the technique or whatever, you could make an appointment with them. And um, so it was like about twelve o'clock, so I'm like that. I says, I do work as a medium, and I am worried that this is going to affect my mediumship if I continue to keep doing this. And I, um, because I think I've been that used to um, being in the power of mediumship that this was just the the complete opposite for me. Um, But it was what was actually needed because all these things started to happen whilst, whilst I was there, but on an inward level. And it was like memories would come up from the past uh, because all these unconscious, uh, what they taught you is the unconscious, um, un- unconscious emotions that we we have are really conscious, but we're just not aware of them, and that comes out in the way that we um, react to things. So things can trigger us in some ways, and we re- we react to things that have maybe caused us some emotional harm in the past, or or it's our survival mechanism and and things like that. So. Um, when I, when I was there, I remember waking up in the middle of the night thinking about, gosh, what did I, it felt like I was actually there where I'd, um, it was a time when I was drinking and it was probably 20 years previous. And I woke up thinking, what have I done? What did I do? Because I never found out what I did this particular night sort of thing. And it was as if like it had just happened. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, I just couldn't get past this emotion. It was as if like it, it just happened. I felt sick with it, but I knew that there was this healing or this process of, um, you know, it was it was an involvement really, and uh, to move forward from that because sometimes we don't realise what we're holding on to. We suppress things, and whilst we're suppressing things, it's it's all right. But again, we could be reacting in a certain way. Uh, that mm-hmm. we were unaware of because of the, the triggers of the, these Im- suppressed emotions. So, um, so yeah, that that was um, probably a psychological and emotional side and a spiritual side because I did mm-hmm. learn that you know this is about nature because it's it was to do with Dharma, which is it was a, a Buddhist. It, it wasn't it wasn't Buddhist because it was open to all faiths and all religion. They didn't sort of put themselves into a religion as such so that it's open to everybody. Um, but it, it was sort of like a Buddhist tradition in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. So it had that, that, um, that way about it. And there was this little tree um, that I would see, because you had all these wonderful grounds that you could walk around at the silent retreat. And I'd see this tree and I used to think, wow, look at this tree. It must have had dew on it or something. And, and it was just sparkling and, and it were it were beautiful. And when I went up to it, it was just this fir tree, this little fir tree. And and I just thought, gosh, I, I sat at the at the bench where I would I go and sit there every day then and just look at this tree. And I start getting in, inspiration about this tree. Well, you couldn't write anything down either. So I, I'm sort of stuck with this inspiration frustratingly. Um, and I thought to sort of quieten my mind down a little bit and to stop the frustration, what I did, I resolved with the fact that on the last day, what I'll do, I'll take a picture of the tree. And then when I go home, if I feel inspired, I'll write about it. And I wrote the little fir tree, which is in the book. Um, and when I'd come back, it's as if like, um, I remember I think the World Cup was on. So that was on the set. And there sat. Sean's watching the World Cup and I'm like churning out all these poems. It was just like, I were writing three a night 
So it's as if, and they were all just just coming to uh, just coming out and being expressed, and and they're all sort of like different aspects to life. Um, and I've got my friend Suzette who really encouraged me. We'd, we'd speak on the morning, and she'd uh, she'd sort of like we'd be talking, then we'd be like, "Oh, share this." <laughs> and um, and it was like it came to the point when you when it's time to share, you need to stop sharing. And she was on about writing this poem called "Share," and I wrote this poem called "Share," which is in the book. And and I did. I stopped sharing them on social media then and it's as if like right i need to put this together in the book and it was probably the easiest thing that i'd ever done because all the pictures in the book i'd already put them put the poems and matched them to a picture already so it was dead easy to sort of send to the publisher everything just sort of fell into place fell into place yeah and you know it just um it just happened so so quickly, really, and and the feedback from it was just incredible. I just it was a, it was a project. I never did it to make money. Um, it was always just a personal uh, project, and you know you'll you'll find that there's probably there's two quite dark um, poems in there as well that I was unsure whether to put them in at the time, but when speaking with, with friends, it's like, no, you've got to put all aspects within that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people will be able to relate with that. Um, and it might seem dark. And, and again, this was something that um, Bryant Robertson taught me when I was at the college, because going along these similar lines about the, one of these particular poems, um, we did some a philosophical exercise and, and I shared that story and I found it really difficult because I'm saying, but it's negative and I don't want to, but we, we said it in a way of, I think it was, we had to be someone in a film um, and what character would we be in that film and, you know, and, and, and why. So, and you were telling the story but and then being represented by that character in the film. And that's, that's how it came about. And I always remember saying it and I found it really difficult um, I remember getting emotional saying it and I'm thinking, why have I chosen something like this that is so difficult to express because of the time? And I just remember Brian turning around saying, do you know what? You've given your students the biggest lesson that they could, one of the biggest lessons that they could have with that story, you know, because it was, it was that. And, and I suppose th- that stuck in my mind. Um, and yeah, um, with with sort of spoke about it, but it was always those two that sort of stuck out. Should I shouldn't have put them in, but it just felt like it was right because there was somebody that probably would need that at a certain time. So, and I agree. It's you, there's a reason um, you, your friends were thinking that way as well, and I, I I think it was the right decision. I just realised we haven't even said the name of the book. We've been talking about this is the biggest build up to uh, a name of a book ever, but. It's, the book is called Soul Rise. Um, it, it's a beautiful book and it, it really lightens up my um, bookshelf. And I, I love it. It's one of these um, books that you find yourself just keep coming back to. I wouldn't. Uh, uh, there's a couple more things I want to ask you about. And I'm really, uh, I, there's so many things I still wanted to ask you about, which we're just not going to get time to. We could sit here for another hour. But um, a, a couple of things. So you t- tell us about your sitting in well, two questions. I want to ask you. Firstly, what? How would you describe the concept of sitting in the power? And secondly, please tell us all about your um, group that you do every Monday, because for people that are interested in sitting in the power, there's no better place to go than to um, your group where you can do it every single week. So tell us about that. Yeah, so sitting in the power, very much like like yourself when I was on Glenn Edwards um, week, he introduced sitting in the power, and you know what? I must have spent about. 11 years or something searching for the power after that, you know, and it was a concept of what is it, you know, I've been taught and, and I just couldn't get it. And I remember someone saying to me, um, you know, stop searching for the power because the power is within you and around you just embrace it. And I was on this quest to know what the power was because I was told that it would help and develop 
my mediumship. This this is the key to your, to your mediumship. So I was constantly sort of like searching within that. And it was something that I just felt passionate about. And I, I actually produced a, a course about it. And to me, um, what I realized is, um, and my terminology changes because I evolve with it as well. What I believe today might not be what I believe tomorrow and so on, or it enhances or evolves in in certain ways. And I'm always open to that. So I know my vocabulary changes about sitting in the power. And I simply term it as remembering, remembering that divine power that is within and around you. Um, we can forget about our uh, we can forget about the the divine power within and around us through our everyday life, through our stresses and our strains, and through our families, through our work. You know, we, we can forget about that because we can become too materialistic in in some ways and have to deal with things that are, are here. Um, and we can forget the soul of us. We can forget that spirit within. And you know, it, in essence, when we remember the spirit, when we remember God the universe, the source, the creator, however you perceive that power to be, then it just um, allows uh, to me for your soul to become more into its purpose. And uh, whether that is to be a medium or whether that is to be um, whatever your soul's path is, because not everybody is a medium, but everybody has a soul, everybody has a spirit. And you know, I, I was introduced to it through mediumship, through spiritualism, um, but really the power is life and life empowers uh, and, and we it empowers it when we acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. So if we was just to uh, continue with that in, in that thought, we would, um, you know, it was, it was something that I just felt that everybody should remember it. Everyone should be, aware of it you know and just to understand it let's break down the barriers of what the word god means and you know once you feel the presence of the power of god or the creator however you perceive it to be or term it it doesn't matter what it's called so that now you've just yeah you've just um given me one of those moments there the way you just said that yeah that makes perfect sense because it's that it's that feeling. So, um, so when I was at uh, president of Rottenstall Spiritualist Center, I um, I started a sitting in the power session on a Monday evening. Call this sitting in the power hour. And people- oh, I, I, you, I have one of those in my uh, day job. We call it um, my power hour is to get on the phones and make sales. So this is just- <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Carry on. Yeah. So I had people come in on a Monday night. And I always wanted it to go online at some point, but I was always a bit of a technophobe and um, had my phone set up to do Facebook Live, but never really did it because I thought it detracted from the people there and mm-hmm. I, I just didn't do it. And obviously we got thrown into lockdown um, the year after. And so it went online and I started doing Facebook Live and there was quite a, a lot of people that would come on it because obviously people, I was on furlough from work and, um, and I started to do that and donations to go to Rottenstall Spiritualist Centre to to help because obviously churches were struggling and centres were struggling um, during lockdown because they had to close the doors in, in most cases. And um, it was hard um, for people to generate that. I was kind of lucky to, to sort of generate um, donations through Sitting in the Power and through services online at that time. Um, but then, um, I eventually, I, I did leave Rottenstall Spiritualist Center and, but I continued with sitting in the power online and, and how I did it then, cause I thought, you know, I started to feel kind of bad cause I thought, you know, whilst I was running Rottenstall, I was really focused on it and wanted it to, to do well and, and to support it and make sure that it was, it was, it was well in the community and, you know, and. And I thought, you know what, I've put so much focus on that, that, you know, it's time to send that focus outwardly to anyone that attends Sitting in the Power, for them to donate to their own 
um, spiritual community, their churches, their centres. So my time is free, but for them to come and um, represent, donate, if they're not part of a community, then they're welcome to the Sitting in the Power community because it has turned into a um, a community. And what I did do at the time, um, I created a poster and I sent it out to um, over 300 churches and what it added, I'd like the bank details on that they could put on the notice board so that it could let the congregations know and, and people that attended so they could put the bank details in. So anybody that attended could donate to um, to their own churches. So I was trying to influence that. And, and obviously, because it's recorded as well on Facebook, I didn't want to take away from their services so they would get that recorded copy that they could just drop into each week you know, and or whatever time of the week. So, I mean, it, it started off, I mean, I thought during lockdown, I think there was about 40 people on, and I thought, wow, you know, during during lockdown. Now, um, it's, you know, it's it's in its fourth year now, so every every Monday evening, and now we get get between 25 and 70 people, you know, so it's um, in between, like, Facebook and Zoom, but I can have, I can have a, about up to, 50 people in Zoom and then people are watching it on Facebook Live. And I just think it's it's wonderful. You get many regulars come in mm-hmm. that are your, your staunch, um, I call it like the spiritual gym as well, because yeah. they're, they're taking that time. I'm just providing the space for them. I'm hosting it, um, but they're, they're attending and it's always open to them. They can dip in and out of it. It's not, I'll always be there, but they can dip in and out of it as much as they What's the most have going on on a Monday night? What's a better thing to do than sit in the power? If people want to, I'm sure there's going to be people listening to this who think absolutely. Uh, so if they want, if people want to get involved, where can they go to to find out about your power hour? Um, well, they can go on my Facebook page. They can go. I think I think it's actually advertised on my website as well, AdamBerryMedium.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but on my Facebook page, uh, that has all the. Uh, information on that as a zoom link on there it's posted every every week it's just uh adam berry um page that's my mediumship page so um so yeah people can can follow me on there and then they'll get the notification when it when it comes on i also post it on the online spiritual services as well uh which is a wonderful um it's a wonderful place that veronica jenkins set up during lockdown to let people know about church services and i think she actually created a directory as well so i'm post on there amongst with other people so what's it called again um spiritualist services online oh, look at that. online spiritualist services got that right. it's one way or the other adam i can't believe how quickly this hour has gone um would you like to leave us with a closing thought to people that maybe are on this journey as well and um we, we get a lot of people listening to the show who are interested in mediumship and some of them like you are you like you were really interested in finding out about is there more to life how do i connect leave us with a closing thought um not to put you on the spot or anything Adam. <laughs> okay a closing thought so you know one one of my one of my big things that i see um over the years and and you know i did myself was looking at people and comparing um comparing our own um skills and abilities with with other people and i think uh sometimes also although we can aspire to become like those people and um, i always think in the terms of like with gordon higginson one of the most wonderful ambassadors of spiritualism today you know through history but you know, it's not to become like Gordon Higginson, but it's to aspire to the power that Gordon Higginson did within his service to humanity and to the spirit world. And I think that's and and when we when we look at that, it's we, we've all got these uh, we've all got a purpose within life, and it's it may not be that it is platform mediumship it may not that be that it is you're a speaker but you've got this mindset that this is what you should be and and i think 
Um, once we're open to the concept of uh, just allowing ourselves to be, following that intuition of who we are, then the possibilities are endless um, and we can really um, evolve into allowing the soul of us to become the best of us. I love that. What a lovely way to end the show. Thank you so much for coming on to the Soul Sick, Adam. I think it's it's been the most wonderful conversation and I'm sure everyone has enjoyed it as much as I have. Thank you. Now, wasn't that the most lovely conversation with Adam? I really enjoyed talking to him and I was blown away by some of his backstory there. You'll be glad to know that if you liked Adam, there's also going to be an episode released very soon, which is Adam's Sitting in the Power Meditation where, as he explained in his episode, he will guide you into being able to develop sitting in the power. So do keep your eyes out for that. A big thank you for joining me on another enlightening episode of SoulSync. If you want to stay in the loop with the SoulSync podcast, it's easy. Simply hit the follow show button wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. And by following me, you really are supporting this podcast as it allows me to continue to get world-class speakers onto the show. If you're enjoying my podcast, could I ask a favour? Please take a moment to leave me a review wherever you tune in. Your feedback means the world to me and not only does it put a smile on my face, it also makes it easier for others to find the Soul Sync podcast. If you want to get involved in the conversation with our community as well as hearing from me with off-podcast content, look at the bottom of the show notes where you'll find my Facebook page and newsletter button. If you have suggestions for future episodes or there's a guest you'd love to see featured or you might even have a story that you'd like to share with our wonderful audience, simply email me at hello at jasonpaulmedium.com. Your stories and ideas are the heartbeat of SoulSeek and your input is invaluable in shaping the soulful conversations I bring to you. I'm Jason Paul. You've been listening to the SoulSeek. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>